Welcome to the official podcast of Apostolic Lighthouse. We'd like to thank you for listening today. We pray this message blesses you and encourages you to see that God is working in your life. Enjoy the message. We're going to talk about uh, breaking intimidation. Uh, this is our. Uh, we're going to be talking about this for uh, a couple, few more weeks. There's so much to it. Um, I don't have a, a scripture to start with, so you may be seated. Amen. So let's just call this breaking intimidation part two. Talked about part one a uh, week before last. And you know, intimidation affects different people different ways. Because you know, there's people that are like type A personalities, type B personalities. There's introverts and then there's extroverts. Um, you know, shy people, outgoing people. And each of these types of uh, personalities handle intimidation different ways. Uh, a lot of times people that, um, you know, intimidation affects people like uh, we, uh, we tend to think of it in one way where when somebody is coming on strong and intimidation in our lives, we tend to back off, shut down, stop talking, you know, let them, you know, whatever, because, you know, intimidation can really be intimidating. And then others sometimes will um, talk more and they will uh, overcompensate uh, for the uncomfortable feeling that intimidation brings their way and they will do, you know, other things to try to drown out intimidation. So, uh, one of the outgoing personalities in the Bible that we're going to talk about tonight a little bit is Peter, Apostle Peter. Um, he was very outgoing. He was very bold. Sometimes he had foot and mouth disease. Um, and, uh, you know, he would kind of get his mouth in front of his brain and stuff. But he was very, um, very, you know, he was risk taker. Uh, you know, he would, he would uh, jump sometimes even before uh, you know, he would be thinking about it, but, uh, you know, you, you can appreciate him for that. And he, he had no problem giving his opinion, no problem answering questions that the Lord had, uh, diving headfirst into any situation. And he was somebody you wouldn't think would be easily intimidated. Because, um, you know, we look at some of the things that uh, we read about him, and he was the one who boldly proclaimed that Jesus was the Christ the son of the living God. And uh, he was also the one when all the other apostles were on the boat, really, you know, afraid. Uh, he was the one that said, Lord, can I come out and walk on the water with you? And, uh, and he did that. And he was the one uh, out of three that were on the Mount of Transfiguration when Moses and Elijah appeared to Jesus and Jesus' uh, appearance changed into a more of a godlike appearance and, uh, you know, just a bright transfiguration. So he was there for all of those things. Um, and so we fast forward to the, in the Bible where we're at the Last Supper and there's a lot of things that took place at the Last Supper. Uh, the communion was given and uh, different things were said. And on that, that Last Supper, um, uh, that same night was the night that Jesus was going to be taken prisoner. And then, then just hours after that, he would be crucified. 
So, you know, that last night, that uh, actually was earlier in the day when they had the Last Supper, Jesus had the, the apostles there and he, and he let them, him, them know. He said, one of you, he goes, all of you actually are going to be offended by me tonight. You are going to stumble because of me this very night. Uh, Matthew 26, 31, he said, then Jesus said to them, all of you will be made to stumble because of me this night. And then Peter, of course, you know, he bold Peter, he jumps right out, the first one to speak. Uh, and Peter answered and said unto him, Matthew 26, 33, even if all are made to stumble because of you, I will never be made to stumble. That's Peter. I'll never do it. And then Jesus said to him, assuredly, I say to you that this night before the rooster crows, talking about Peter, you will deny me three times. Then Peter said to him, even if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. And so said all the disciples. So after Peter, because Peter was like the spokesman, we know he was a spokesman on the day of Pentecost later on. And um, so Peter said that and he goes, I will not, uh, I'll go all the way to the mat for you, Lord. And then all the disciples said, uh-huh, yeah, we will too. Amen. And it, that was Matthew's version uh, of what some of the things that took place at the Last Supper. And then Luke uh, uh, recorded this, and it was about the same subject. Verse, uh, chapter 22, verse 31, And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, and that was another name for Peter, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. So, so the Lord gave Peter some, you know, advance warning. He goes, Satan is after you. I have prayed for you and that your faith will not fail. Now, Peter failed, but see, he, had, he still had his faith to repent and get back up and be the spokesman on the day of Pentecost. So that's the, that's the thing. See, we can, we can fail, we can fall, we can stumble. Things can happen, but we keep our faith. We get back up and we go on. We ask for forgiveness and move forward and the Lord blesses. Amen. So we got to break intimidation. So he said, when you return to me, strengthen your brethren. So that should have gave Peter some encouragement. But if you kept reading in Luke 22 after that, he, he said, Lord, I'm not going to deny you. I'm going to, I'll go to prison with you. I'll die with you. Don't worry, Lord. He said that right after he said this about Satan and all that stuff. But see, appearances can be deceiving and motives can be different, much different than appearances, especially when the rubber meets the road. You know, when the sun's shining and the birds are chirping and the babbling brooks just babbling by and everything's just all right with the world. You know, sometimes it's easy to say, I'll go all the way with you, Lord. Yeah, that's right. But then when it all crashes down, it's like, gulp. Oh, uh, did I say that? Right? But see, we're human. Peter was human. I, that's why I, I'm glad the Bible showed the human side of everybody. Even King David, Elijah, Job, everybody showed the human side. Amen. To let us know that, you know, we can do it. If they did it, we can do it. 
They made it, we can make it. They overcame intimidation, we can do it. Praise God. So another thing at the Last Supper in Luke 22, 21, Jesus talked about somebody that was going to betray them, betray him right there in the room. He said in verse 21, but behold, the hand of my betrayer is with me on the table. And truly the son of man goes as it has been determined, but woe to that man by whom he is betrayed. So in other words, the scripture is going to be fulfilled. It was God's prophetic utterance that the son of God would suffer and die and he would be betrayed. But he said, woe to that person who's going to be betraying him. And then verse 23, then they began to question among themselves. You know, like, who's going to do this? And they all, you know, looked around, you know, at each other, like, what is it, you know? And then in one version said, they even ran around the room and said, Lord, is it I? Is it I? You know, and Judas was sitting right there. And so that was a pretty uh, heavy revelation that Jesus gave them. One of you going to betray me. And they, they molded around for a little bit. But then, you know what, the very next verse, after they said, oh, who would do this thing? They, they, it was like that they said, okay, we're going to go on to the next order of business. It was like, not Jesus, but the disciples. And they kind of sloughed that off. And, they, and, and the Bible said, the next verse, now there was also a dispute among them as to which of them should be considered the greatest. It's like, um, excuse me, did the Lord just say, one of you is going to betray and then, like, you guys already, you know, gaveled down that little statement, and, and you're going over, like, who's going to be the greatest? You know, you, and so th this is going to uh, kind of dovetail into what one of the root causes of intimidation, uh, and that is pride and selfishness. When we open ourselves up to pride and selfishness, we open ourselves up to intimidation. Amen. When we focus on ourselves instead of God, amen, because we can only do so much. I only got so much. I could, I could be some, you know, doctorate student. Uh, I could be some, you know, scientific wonder. I, I could be strong as Mr. Universe and I could have all this, uh, you know, uh, you know, this money and resources or whatever. But all of that's only going to go so far when I'm focusing on myself because intimidation doesn't care. And we're going to need the Lord. We're going to need to be focusing on Jesus and not on pride and selfishness. These guys were already focused on, hey, which one of us is going to be the greatest? Hey, he just said one of you is going to betray him. What are you guys talking about this right now? So that kind of just shows you, that, you know, what they were thinking. Amen. As they went into this evening. So the evening arrived and, and as their custom was, they, they frequented after they would eat, they would go to the Garden of Gethsemane, which was just outside of Jerusalem, the city, a little garden that was really nice. They would sit, they would relax, they would chat and, and, and sometimes even pray over there. And the interesting thing is the name Gethsemane means oil press. And I didn't know that. The name Gethsemane means oil press because you know how you get olive oil? You take, you pick the olives and you put it in an oil press and you put a stream pressure on those oil, on those olives to get that oil out of there. It takes extreme pressure to get olive oil out of the oil, out of the, out of the olives. And that's the name 
of the garden that they were going to that night when Jesus would be taken captive. And, you know, nobody likes to be under extreme pressure, right? I mean, maybe some people, you know, some people like it, I don't know, uh, thrill seekers or whatever, but, you know, most people don't want to be under extreme pressure because, because you know, you do things, you say things, you think things you don't normally do when things are just going okay. Amen. And, you know, when you're under extreme pressure, you know, when you put the olives under extreme pressure, out comes what's inside, the oil. And when you put people under extreme pressure, out comes what's inside. Oh, my goodness, I didn't know I was had that in me. I didn't know I had, I had, you know, I thought, hey, I'm doing pretty good. And then extreme pressure. Oh, Lord, I got to pray more. I, I'm going to have to read my Bible. I got to get, I got to, oh, my goodness, I didn't know that was in me. Because extreme pressure brings out, oh, I, I can't believe I said that. can't believe I did that during that time. It, you know, but the good, new, the good news about extreme pressure, it really shows what's inside of you. And then it brings to the forefront. And then you can say, here's my mess, Lord, and I need you to help me with that. Amen. So Jesus, so all 12 of them, well, actually Judas had gone because he, he went to go get the troops to come and take Jesus captive. So the 11 other disciples came to the garden and they were just sitting there like they normally do. And Jesus took Peter, James, and John and came over and went over off to the side and uh, went to pray. And uh, he asked them to watch with him and he went off to pray by himself while they were off to there. But he said, I want you guys to watch with me, you know, kind of pray. Just, uh, you know, what if there's going to be some things I've told you I'm going to be betrayed. There's things happening tonight. Tonight's the night. So Jesus was under extreme pressure in the spiritual oil press of the Garden of Gethsemane. He prayed and, and Luke said his, his sweat came off his forehead like great drops of blood. He prayed so hard and, and he was praying all about this situation he knew he was going to face. Amen. And in just a few short hours, he was going to face a lot of crazy things, a lot of painful things. And uh, he prayed this prayer three times. And, and the first time he said in Matthew 26, 39, he went a little farther and fell on his face, Jesus did, and prayed saying, Oh, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. You say, what is the cup that he was saying to, that would pass? It was the cup of suffering. It was the cup of crucifixion. It was, you know, it was the plan. This was the mission. It was all coming to a head right now. But the, the son of God, was saying that, Lord, if it is possible, please let this cup pass from me. And he was trying to, uh, but he said, nevertheless, and you know, we've all prayed all kinds of prayers. Lord, I don't want to have to go through this. And Lord, I don't want to have to go through that door. And Lord, I pray this or pray that. But you know what? When it's all said and done, that's what I want. But it's not my will, but thy will be done. Amen. So even Jesus, because he was fully man and fully God, you know, his human side, he had a will that he had to put under the will of the Spirit, and he prayed that prayer. And a very important key to breaking intimidation in our lives is not allowing our will to supersede God's will. We must have our will under God's will. Amen. That is a key to helping us break intimidation. So after he prayed that prayer, he came over and checked on Peter, James, and John, and they were sleeping. 
you know, I had a big meal and, you know, tired. They were sleepy. And he woke them up. He said, could you not watch with me one hour? And verse uh, Matthew 26, 41, he said, watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. The spirit is willing. Just like, you know, Peter said, I'm willing to go all the way to prison or to death with you, Lord. But the flesh is weak sometimes when it comes to uh, actually it happening. So we have good intentions. We mean well. But when push comes to shove, our, our flesh is weak. And sometimes we don't follow through with what we thought we were going to be able to do. So if we're going to break the intimidation of temptation in our lives, we must be willing to watch and pray consistently. Amen. So two more times, Jesus left them and he prayed that same prayer. Lord, at that cup, he prayed it again three, three times. And each time he came back and they were sleeping, he'd wake them up. And on the third time he said, hey, my betrayer is coming right now. It's time to get up. Let's go. Amen. And then sure enough, just around the, down the bend, they saw the torches lighting up the path. And here comes Judas Iscariot kissing Jesus because that was a sign to everyone. Hey, the guy I kissed, that's Jesus. That's the one you take. And so he went and kissed the Lord on the cheek and, and they took him or they were trying to, they were going to take him. Amen. And uh, they had soldiers and they had servants and people sent that represented the chief priests and the elders. And they came to take Jesus by force. And now here's Peter again, you know, seemingly, um, you know, uh, keeping his word and he grabbed a sword and he, you know, he started swinging and he even cut the, cut the ear off of the high priest servant. And uh, he was trying to defend Jesus against the mob. And Jesus said, put away the sword. You know, we're, we're not going to, you know, if you live by the sword, you're going to die by the sword. We're, we're going to let those scriptures be fulfilled here. We're going to let everything go according to God's word. And so uh, Jesus was taken captive and led uh, to the high priests and elders in Jerusalem. And once this happened, the Bible says about the 11 apostles, it says, then all the disciples forsook him and fled. Remember, they all said, hey, we're with Peter. We're going to go all the way with you. They all, you know, they were the ones with, they were with him for three and a half years. They were the hand-picked disciples. And when it all came to, he, he told them that earlier in the, in the dinner, the, the supper, he said, you guys are all going to be offended and stumble. And sure enough, they all forsook him and fled. And Peter is the only one we read about that kind of hung around, you know, and he kind of followed from afar this mob that was heading to Jerusalem to bring Jesus to where the high priest and the elders were in, in their, in the, in their building or in their little place where they met. And, uh, so Jesus went inside and Peter was right outside in the courtyard and they had little fires going to keep people warm and there was people milling about and, and this bold, confident apostle who had just defended Jesus with a sword in the garden against the mob, he gave into intimidation because of the words of one servant girl that was about to ask him a question or a statement. Kind of like Elijah. Remember, he had a great victory on Mount Carmel against 800 prophets of Baal. And then the very next day, he got a letter from Queen Jezebel. You know, you're toast, buddy. And he, he ran. 
And so we see Peter letting intimidation. So this servant girl said, you know, so the, so the prophetic words of Jesus this night, you're going to deny me three times and the rooster's going to crow. Matthew 26, 69. Now Peter sat outside in the courtyard and a servant girl came to him saying, you also were with Jesus of Galilee. But he denied it before them all saying, I do not know what you're saying. First denial. And then another girl came to him and said, yeah, I saw you with Jesus. He said, and he, this is his answer even more, verse uh, number 72. But again, he denied with an oath, I do not know the man. I don't know Jesus. <gasps> Peter. See, intimidation came on strong. And then a group of people said, yeah, we know that you, you, your speech, you speak like one of the group, uh, the Galileans that hung around with Jesus. And then he began to curse and swear, saying, I do not know the man with cursing and swearing. And immediately the rooster crowed. And there's one version of this story where Jesus was still like on his way in the door. And when the rooster crowed, Jesus looked back and met the eyes of Peter and then went in to his so-called trial that he was going to have. And verse 75, Peter remembered the word of Jesus who had said to him, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. So he went out and wept bitterly. But that's good news, folks. He went out and wept tears of repentance. And Peter, after that, he got up and he shook it off and he did what Jesus had said. He goes, I prayed for you that your faith fail not. And when you return to me, when you're converted, another version says, then strengthen your brethren. Go and get them all together, you know, and let them know, hey, the plan's going forward. Amen. Don't let intimidation knock you off your mission for God, our purpose for God. Amen. So instead of giving his life for the Lord, he publicly denied that Jesus even, he even knew Jesus. He allowed pride and selfishness to get in the way of what he so confidently proclaimed just hours earlier. So the root of fear and intimidation is love of self over love of God. The root of fear and intimidation is love of self over love of God. You know, love of self-preservation and making yourself look better. And, you know, how am I going to get out of here? And I'm sorry, I got to just disassociate with this situation because there's too much pressure on me or whatever. No, that's the root. So imperfect love or self-love opens the door to intimidation. But John tells us in 1 John 4, 17, love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment there is no fear in love, but perfect love cast out fear because fear involves torment, but he who fears has not been made perfect in love. So in other words, remember, intimidation is timidity, which is another way of saying fear. You know, intimidation means I'm afraid and it's fear, intimidation is all wrapped up together. So if I'm not allowing 
If I'm, if I'm giving in to more pride and selfishness and self-love, then I am not allowing perfect love, amen, to help me. And that's the key. We need perfect love. We don't need love that we have. This is the love of, 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 that we have for each other or, or the love that's human love. We need a perfect love. Amen. And the word love translated here in the Greek is agape, which is God's love. It's love from above. That's the love we need. Amen. Our love uh, for God must always be greater than our love for ourselves because God's love is perfect and it's the only thing that will truly break intimidation in our lives. Amen. Luke 9.23, Jesus said unto them all, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself. That's the, see, that's got to get myself love out of there. And take up his cross daily and follow me. Amen. So what do you mean? My, I, thought, I thought Jesus had the cross. What, 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 what's our cross? Amen. That's denying ourselves. That's putting Jesus first. Amen. And following him daily. That's what it's talking about. You see, when we came to, before we came to Jesus... We were just doing our own thing, right? I mean, I was. I was doing my own thing and whatever I felt and whatever I wanted to do and I didn't care what this person was doing or whatever, amen? But then when I came to him and I realized my ways of sinful ways of my past, I needed help, I needed a savior and I gave myself to him. And the Bible said in Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. In other words, I'm not literally crucified. I'm spiritually. I spiritually die. I spiritually am buried. But then I raise again. So I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live from then on after, after I, at this crucifixion of my flesh and my uh, carnal nature and my old life, my old ways, amen, I now the, the life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. Because Colossians 3.3 3, 3 says, For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. Did you know you're dead? If you're born again, you're dead. Well, I feel pretty alive. I'm breathing. No, dead spiritually to the old person, so to speak. Amen. So we are crucified with him, which means he gives us the ability to be dead to sin, dead to this world, and dead to our, our carnal nature. But we, I say the ability because we have to want it. Amen. You get saved, but you got to want every day to get up and I want to continue on with the Lord. I want to continue on with this wonderful life. Amen. He bought us with a price. We belong to Jesus. And when we have this mindset and our hearts are totally given to him, this fear will not torment us because a dead person cannot be tormented. That, that's the goal. That's the key. I know uh, that's easier said than done, but that's what it's about. If we, if we, are, we are dead, our life is hid in, in Christ with God. Amen. And if we keep it there and we keep God, God is our number one love, we are going to be breaking intimidation. It's not going to get the better of us anymore. Amen. And so uh, our ability to break intimidation is directly connected to what we allow ourselves to be rooted in. What are we rooted in today? What, what do we have our roots in? 
Amen. If we were like a, if we're a spiritual tree, what's our roots sunken down in? Do we have our roots in the solid rock or in seeking, shifting sand? Do we have our roots in the miry clay or in a sure foundation? Amen. Are our roots deep enough and strong enough to withstand any storm that comes our way? Amen. You know, that when we had that last uh, really big windstorm not too long ago, my wife and I walk at the park by our house and there's all these tree branches down and, and one tree was just like toppled over with the roots sticking out. Amen. We got to be able to brave every storm and let our roots be in the right thing because it's much easier to be confident when God is doing what we expect him to do in our lives. However, when things go a different direction, and we can waver. We've got to be rooted in the right thing. Affliction, persecution can throw us for a loop and we can lose our boldness. And when we lose our boldness, amen, we don't have anything to fight against this intimidation and the fear. Mark chapter four, when Jesus told the parable of the sower and the seed, amen. And he, he said the, the sower, he put his seed on four different types of ground. And Mark 4, 16 said, These likewise are the ones sown on stony ground, who when they hear the word, immediately receive it with gladness, and they have no root in themselves, and so endure only for a time. Afterward, when tribulation or persecution arises, for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. You see, we got to get our roots down in the good ground of, the, of God's word and God's love. We must firmly be rooted, amen, in our love for Jesus. Because Ephesians first, uh, chapter 3, verse 17 said, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love, and that's agape love again, we got to be rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and the length and the depth and the height to know the love of Christ which passes on knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Amen. We need that love of God rooted in God's love, breaking intimidation that comes our way because the boldness it takes to break the power of intimidation must be fueled by our love for God and not for self. Amen. And pride or selfishness. And the last scripture tonight, if you read 1 Corinthians 13, the whole chapter in the King James, it's talking about charity. Use the word charity. Uh, but in other versions, it's love. And it's translated from that same agape word, which is God's love. I just want to read a couple little parts of that chapter uh, that kind of puts it right in perspective as we come to a close tonight. 1 Corinthians 13, 4. Love does not parade itself. That's God's love. It is not puffed up. That sounds like no pride or selfishness there. Verse 5, it does not seek its own. Verse 7, it endures all things. Whatever storms come my way, whatever trials, tribulations, temptations, tests come my way, if I'm rooted in God's love, it'll endure all things. And finally, verse 8, love, God's love never fails. Amen. My love has limits. My human love to other people has limits, but I need a love without limits. Amen. And that's God's love. Praise God. So would you stand with me? What an incredible message. 
thank you again for joining us on the podcast and may God bless you.